As promised, here's chapter one of the Milk Run, subtitled Just a Three-Hour Tour. John stood at ease at morning quarters as the division chief petty officer held roll call and passed on the results to the division officer, who then proceeded to detail the day's missions to the boat crews standing in front of him. Today's mission from the JSOC were to ready the boats, set up to take a group of a as-of-yet unidentified unit out to somewhere in the Gulf. John was part of a unit that operated to maintain transport boats, LCM-6s and LCM-8s landing craft. They were operating out of Bahrain as part of the Navy's 5th Fleet, providing water taxi services for any military units that needed to be transported somewhere in the Persian Gulf operating area. John was a young petty officer first class and boat captain in charge of a Mike 6 boat. He had a four-man crew made up of himself, the boat NCO, a second-class petty officer, boat engineer, and two E3 seamen for deckhands. After everyone was dismissed from morning quarters, the chief came over and asked the boat captains if their boats were ready. Of course, they responded with an affirmative, but John decided to go over everything again. John was a believer in Murphy's Law. Whatever was going to go wrong would do so at the worst possible time. He didn't want anything to go wrong. There is nothing worse than to be stranded out on the open ocean in enemy territory with a dead boat. John gathered up his crew and told them to go over every p.m. weekend this morning before the passengers showed up to embark for whatever mission they had. That was the problem with these short-notice mission orders. No one but the embarking unit leaders knew where they were going until they aborted and opened up their mission orders. Sometimes they knew a, a verbal heading, but the sea charts and maps were never opened ahead of time for security reasons. Having gone through this before, John knew what to, what to expect or not in some cases, so he wanted to make sure his boat and crew were ready as possible for anything. He had his engineer double check and test the boat engines to make sure there were no chances of breakdowns in or out, and his deckhands check all the boat fenders, mooring lines, and vol ramp for possible issues. As he dispatched everyone to their duties, John went to the wheelhouse to check everything there and work with his engineer to test the engine steering, navigation lights, and everything else. John wanted no issues, even minor ones, to cause any problems during the mission. John knew that they, once they pulled away from the pier, the boat and all on it were totally in his hands, and he was solely in charge at that point, no matter who the ranking officer on the boat may be with the unit he was transporting. John knew what a huge responsibility that was, but was up for it. That is what the division officer had told all the boat captains that morning during their mission briefings. Just another easy day of taxi service for everyone. A milk run, and everybody should be back in time for evening chow. Little did they know. As always, with the actual specific mission orders sealed up until out to sea, it was everyone, anyone's guess as to where they might be going. Everyone just figured it would be like the rest. A quick run up the coast, drop off the cargo, and head home. Easy day. After testing everything to John's satisfaction, John decided that too much testing would probably actually break something, so he shut everything down, inspected everything without touching anything. John had a good experienced crew, so he wasn't worried about anything not being done right. His inspection was more to kill time and ease tensions. As, after checking everything and hanging out with the crew a little bit, it was time for lunch. John set the boat watch with one of the seamen, told the other to hightail it over and eat so he could relieve his partner. John and his engineer, Steve, headed out to the NCO line at the mess hall as they also needed to be back as quickly as possible. John had been told to expect his passengers by 1300 and to be ready to go as quickly as they could get aboard and stow their gear. 
Each mission always brought a little stomach flutter as nerves ramped up. They were supporting ore, after all. These little missions rarely involved going into active combat zones, but you never knew for sure. LCMs don't have much armor to protect anyone. The wheelhouse has some metal shielding, but not much against RPGs or missile shore batteries. A 50 caliber machine gun could turn that wheelhouse and deck structure into Swiss cheese. After returning from lunch, John checked his boat watch to see if anything happened or anyone had stopped by while they were gone, but everything was quiet. No one had stopped by yet. John looked at his watch and saw that it was 12.30 hours, so half an hour before go time. John walked the, deck, the well deck again, waiting for his last seaman to get back from the mess hall. John had a bad feeling about the mission today. He couldn't put a finger on it, but something felt off. He didn't want to share this with his crew, as he didn't want to have to, anything to base his six-sense feeling on his gut. To try and alleviate his anxiety, he went up to the wheelhouse, broke out his chart of the op area they usually operated in, and looked at to see if anything might be dangerous. He looked at the chart and could see up the coastline to Saudi Arabia, the seaport of Daman or Dharan, or over to Doha. Nothing stood out that would be dangerous in an afternoon's ride. The only dangerous areas were up north in Kuwait and Iraq, and no one ever goes up across the pond to Iran. John didn't think they would be going too far up north, as they were told everyone would be back to base by dinner time. John had a pretty good relationship with his crew. After all, they depended on one another to survive these little missions, and Steve was as close to a best friend as you could have without sacrificing his leadership position. LCMs don't move that fast through the water, so John was counting on a, just a quick run up the Saudi coast or over to Qatar for the afternoon. Maybe a training mission for some army units or a SEAL team. John didn't feel any better after looking at the chart, but it kept it to himself. He just couldn't shake the feeling, though. 1300 arrived, and within a few minutes, the chief and the divo showed up on the pier to give one last briefing before things started up. As John approached the group with the other boat captains, the body language of chief and division officer didn't look right. The normal bantering with everyone was that everyone was missing today. Chief Armstrong was all business, and Lieutenant Johnson was thumbing through paperwork and looking stressed. The feeling of impending doom ramped up even more as John observed this as he fell in formation with the other boat captains. Once settled in, Chief Armstrong told everybody that there was a change of plans and we would not be returning in time for dinner this evening. As a matter of fact, each boat captain was to immediately after this briefing head over to the supply shop and requisition MREs and overnight gear for their crews for several days. Pack up extra clothing as needed. John's stomach dropped out. Everyone in formation started muttering to one another. Chief raised his voice and told everyone to pipe down. Lieutenant Johnson stepped up and said they had just received top secret orders for this mission within the last half hour and everything was classified. He couldn't divulge anything until we had set sail. All he could tell us was what the chief told us, prepare for an extended trip. John and his fellow boat captains broke out of formation and headed down to the supply shack. On the way, they gathered up their seamen to help carry everything back to the boats. Once they arrived, the supply clerks issued a week's worth of MRE cases, wet weather gear, folding cots, and other long-trip items. All things that some of the experienced captains were familiar with, John being one of them. As John signed for the gear, one of his seamen came up and asked what he needed the extra gear for. We're just going up the coast a little bit. John said, change of plans. Seaman, Roger by name, shook his head and said, it figures, so much for the milk run. As everyone started loading everything below decks, two Humvees and three deuce and halves right on the pier, and a bunch of soldiers started unloading from the vehicles. The officer in charge stepped up to the divo, to which the divo and chief saluted. 
As John was too far away and too busy stowing gear to hear anything, he forgot about it and figured they were on a need no basis as usual. As they were putting the last of the gear and supplies away, an Army NCO showed up alongside the boat and asked who was in charge. John replied that he was and asked what he could do for him. Sergeant explained that he had his squad ready to embark whenever he was ready. John looked around and said, sure, come on aboard, and showed him where his people could stow their gear for the trip. John wasn't sure how much gear they were bringing, so John told him to secure his stuff in the well deck as best he could to keep everything from sloshing around. Try to waterproof everything as well because water might splash over the sides and up the bow ramp. John checked his crew to see if their supplies were stowed, and since they were ready to go, had the seamen supervised the loading of their human cargo, something they had done many times before, so John was confident that he didn't need to supervise much. While all that was taking place, John jumped up to the wheelhouse and looked out over the pier. All he could see were soldiers grabbing gear out of the vehicles and forming up next to one of the boats in John's squadron. John's small boat, small boat squadron consisted of four LCM-6s and two LCM-8s. The Mike-8s were the best boats in the squadron as far as cargo space, speed, and maneuverability. Twin-screw boats with dual engines and rudders. They could dance on the water with the right driver, and John was one of those. John had qualified to drive them, and as part of his qualification exam, driving test, had to parallel park one to pass. Basically, set the rudders and the throttles in such a way as to walk the boat sideways into the dock between two other boats. John was a little jealous of, of only being in charge of a Mike 6 with a single screw, but he had learned to live with it. While he was musing about better boats, he watched all the action on the pier. Soldiers lining up, gear being dropped into well decks, and all moving in an orderly fashion. Nothing out of the ordinary. John was still experiencing that feeling of doom and still couldn't see what may be causing it. He just decided to wait and see in case something out of the ordinary showed up. Then it did. As he was looking down to peer at all the activity, he saw the chief and the divo each board to Mike Gates, one per boat. Now that was unusual. They never went out on training missions or short milk runs. They had the utmost confidence in their boat captains and rarely saw the need to get underway with them unless it was for training or qualification exams, something the chief always handled. The army officer boated the same boat as the divo, and as John continued to watch, he really started to get worried. As soon as all the gear and personnel were finished offloading from the vehicles, they left quickly. All business, even more unusual. This was starting to feel like way more than a training mission up the coast. Once all the soldiers and gear had been loaded into the boats and secured, John received a radio call from the boat's divo saying everyone start casting off. Each boat had to wait until the boat got in front got underway to clear the way for everyone else. They would rendezvous at the end of the harbor and head out to sea together in formation. As John gave the orders for the mooring lines to let go and maneuvered his boat onto the pier, he wondered if this might be the last time he would see this port and his familiarity so far from home. All he could think about was that theme song from Gilligan's Island about a three-hour tour as he pointed the bow of his small boat towards the open water to form up with his squadron mates and wait on everyone else. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip That started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship The mate was a mighty sailor and the skipper brave and sure Five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour A three-hour tour 